How do we evaluate a data model? Hello, my name is Eric Normand, and this is my podcast. Welcome. I'm continuing to pontificate, to think about the issues uh, surrounding data model, data modeling, and I want to talk about how to evaluate a data model. Certain, some data models are better than others, and there's, it's kind of complex, and so I want to work it out, talk it out, see if I can figure out how to, how to teach this. So in my last recording, I talked about how there, I talked about the three-part uh, three model of data model. Okay. There's the real world situation, which has a lot of information in it. It's really complex. There's the conceptual model, which is much simpler. And there's the encoding of that conceptual model. Also, uh, that is what I'm calling the domain model. And they're in this weird relationship where you have to go through a conceptual model in order to go back to another model. Now, I also hinted at the fact that there are, because there's two steps you have to go through, you have to translate it into a conceptual model and then encode that state of that conceptual model. There's two steps, so there's actually two ways that it can go right or wrong, right? It can go wrong because your conceptual model is bad, and it can independently go wrong because the encoding is no good for that conceptual model. And I want to tease these apart because I feel like, like I've said before, the creation of the conceptual model is actually the hardest part. And I want to have a way to evaluate how good or bad it is. And this, this aspect, this idea that there's this conceptual model that can neither be good or bad is one of the things that's often left out of the, the modeling, the, the modeling discussion. We often talk about the design of our code, the structure of the code, how things are laid out, and even more about how things are defined in terms of other things, like in stratified design. And that's actually a good paper to bring up because there's a, a, a lacuna, I would say, of why their, the model they show is so good. They talk about it being good because it's stratified, and so you can change things at the different levels in the, in the different layers in the design. Uh, and so you get this flexibility of what kinds of things you can change depending on how you, what, what needs to change, right? Which, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. That's obvious. Uh, it's obviously true when you read it. But the 
trouble is, oh, I'll give the example. They give this example using M.C. Escher style art. M.C. Escher paintings and drawings where it has a lot of tiling and scaling and rotations of things. They give a really cool example of, of, a, of an encoding of that that someone, someone programmed this system where you could build graphics that are similar in style to an MC Escher by doing stuff like flipping an image, putting two images next to each other, which makes a new image, scaling images, and then you could compose those up into other primitives like, you know, give me a four by a two by two layout of the this image i mean that's all very cool uh the the trouble is what was really important was not the fact that it was done with stratified design the reason that does help the expressivity and we do get into that in in the domain modeling book in part three it's got a lot of cool algebraic properties that make it work well as an API. But the real reason it worked so well was because they chose stuff like put two images next to each other, flip an image horizontally or vertically, scale an image. They looked at MC Escher drawings and analytically saw that scaling is important tiling is important it was not simply it didn't simply fall out of the the structure of the call graph which is what the paper kind of implies they actually found really useful concepts that created a conceptual model of how M.C. Escher paintings work. And that is the hard part because a lot of people would say, oh, I'm doing graphics. I need an array of pixels and I need a way to plot a pixel and, and change its color. And that does not get you closer or it doesn't get you very close to drawing M.C. Escher paintings. You have all your work ahead of you still. And now you're just looping through, you know, you're doing a for loop over, over some pixels trying to make M.C. Escher paintings. You don't have any leverage. But if you identify this concept of, ah, if I take two, if I take an image and another image and I put them next to each other, now I can do tiling. And, it, and tiling becomes uh, an, an easy to express thing, I'm going to be able to tile so, so easily and make new things out of this tiling. But it's the identification of tiling as the important concept that is only facilitated by the rest, which is the, the style and the, the, the design of it. How, how things fit together, how they call each other, that kind of thing. So how do we 
make it break this skill down, uh, the skill of identifying these important concepts in the domain and encoding them into your program. How do we make that teachable? How do we take that skill and, and just maybe make subskills that are each teachable? And one thing that I think is important is to be able to evaluate a, a given domain model to see if it really, if it is giving you what you need, right? If it is fitting the domain. So, uh, fit is one of the ideas I have fit as a quality that you can take a conceptual model and the domain model and check them for fit. Does this, does this encoding really fit the domain? So really fit the, the conceptual model. So a conceptual model, just to, to dive deeper into fit for a second, the conceptual model is going to have a certain number of possible states that your system can be in. And this is um, well understood in modeling and mathematical modeling and simulations. There's just a certain number of states. You don't even have to know all of them. You just know that it's some finite number of states that they're in. Your encoding can also be in a certain number of states. And we went over that when we were talking about product types and some types, uh, meaning combinations and alternatives, uh, collections, all these pieces have a certain number of states that they can be in. And what you're looking for is the ideal, oh, let me put it this way. The ideal is perfect overlap between the conceptual model and the encoding. Meaning there is exactly one state in the conceptual model for every state in the encoding. And there's an unambiguous way of translating back and forth between the two. Now that is the ideal fit. That's perfect fit. Every single state can be represented in the encoding and every state that's possible in the encoding has a meaning in the conceptual model. Rarely do you have perfect fit because often there's, there's a trade-off with perfect fit and like reuse and verbosity to get something perfect like that. You often have to make it very inconvenient to program in. We talked a little bit about this when we talked about collections, um, it's often the case that you'll use a collection, even though you only have, you know, max three toppings on your pizza, right? You'll still use a collection, which could have any number of ingredients. And so you have this thing that like your 
data structure can encode it. It can encode four toppings. It can encode a thousand toppings, but you are going to somehow limit it to three. And so you need to avoid the situation where you have a thousand things, a thousand toppings in that collection. You need to avoid that because it doesn't have a meaning in your model. You can't make that pizza. Oh, and oh man, that's just brought up a, a big topic in my mind that I don't want to get to. <laughs> I don't want to get into right now because you could argue like, well, yeah, you, you know, your business says you, you have to have at most three toppings on your pizza, but this other business could have four and like, I probably up to five. Why not five? Right. And sure. Yes. We won't get into that about how you deal with situations like that. Uh, I want to, I want to put that off to another episode. Okay. So this is the idea of fit that you want a one-to-one -one mapping. And there's an analysis of the kinds of failures that this, this mapping has. One is that you have states from the conceptual model that you cannot represent in your encoding. Okay. That seems to me to be a big problem. Like, I mean, just imagine there's some pizza that looks like you can order it and everyone wants to order it, but you can't actually write it down in your, in your system. That just seems really, uh, unfortunate and, uh, like a, a show stopping bug basically. The other way is that you have, uh, things that you can write down that don't make sense as a pizza. So we already talked about the pizza with a thousand topping, which is possible to write down if you're using a, let's say an array for topping, because there's nothing syntactically stopping you from that. You would probably have to do some kind of runtime check unless you had, I, I don't know, some special type system like dependent types. Um, and so you have this problem of something that you can write down doesn't make sense. It's basically an error to have that. And so there's these two problems and you can imagine the Venn diagram where you have your conceptual model states and your uh, encoding states and there's, you want a big overlap with, you know, nothing left out. So you don't want anything where it's just in the conceptual model, but not in the encoding. And you don't want anything where it's just in the encoding and not in the conceptual model. Now, if it were me, in my experience, it's better to have stuff that you can encode that doesn't have meaning than to have something that has meaning that you cannot encode, right? If there's a pizza that you want people to be able to order, you better be able to write it down. And it's better to err on the side of having and things that you can encode that don't really mean anything and just throw an error. It's 
better to be on that side if, if you have to make the choice. And we often do for expediency or we're inheriting an existing model and we can only modify it in small ways. We can't, you know, replace it. And so we're going to have to deal with like, oh, when we add this new feature, it's going to, it's going to make these other states possible to write down, but we don't really want to, they, they don't mean anything. We'll never translate them to anything. And we'll somehow prevent it from happening in the code. Okay, so that's, that's just simply the fit. Okay, there's another dimension, which I've mentioned briefly, which is that the conceptual model, the mapping to the domain model might be really awkward, right? There might be, it just might be like really hairy code, um, might be awkward for the programmer to write, but also awkward for uh, the computer. You know, there's, it could be like, oh, this is a N cubed algorithm to write this thing down and it's just not acceptable. Right. Now we talked about some awkwardness before. Uh, well, no, maybe we didn't talk about it. I was just writing it in my book. Yeah. So like one thing is like, if there's, if you can make 1500 different pizzas, you could just give each one a number, right? A one to 1500. And now you're, um, now you're, you're done, right? You have a state for each thing. You have like perfect fit. If you just assume that, you know, this number, uh, won't, you know, you, you have like runtime checks to make sure you're not using a number that's too high and too low, but it's just integers. So you just have a number for each one. So you have perfect fit, but it's super awkward. It's awkward to do, you know, let's think of some specific things. How does someone order what they want? Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really capture any of the important ideas of, of the pizza. Like, um, it doesn't capture that a pizza has a choice between three different sizes. It just kind of throws a number there. Uh, it makes it really hard to ask questions like how many small pizzas were ordered and how many large pizzas were ordered? Well, there's nothing in a number that tells you if it's small, medium, or large. How many pizzas had mushrooms, right? Is this a popular topping? Like these are, are really hard to answer. And I, I would just call it awkward. You could do it, but just imagine the code to have to write all these, these, um, these questions, these queries. And if you did it, you would probably be doing the work of, of modeling it anyway, <laughs> right? Like you'd probably have to say like, well, I need a table of all the ones with, with, uh, tomato sauce on them. Uh, how do I like, uh, so like you're already thinking about the important concept of tomato sauce and doing some modeling work. Okay. Uh, so those are the two things. It's like fit and convenient, right? Uh, there's other things like simplicity, precision. I think fit is 
probably the the best most general purpose one i'm just gonna stick with that i mean for now unless i find something better but this idea of a fit i mean like you can just imagine the the venn diagram the overlap between the two you know you want the overlap to be 100 percent, and you know i think that that's pretty good and then the convenience like how hard is it to write it actually hints at the level two thinking where you start talking about operations because if the operations are so important for seeing if something is convenient, just start with the operations, right? That, that's where you want to be. Uh, but it's, it's just a hint because you still need to be able to data model and it is more concrete, so we should start there. Okay, now for the hard part. How do you know that, I mean, in our case, in this example, the pizza model is kind of already given to you, the conceptual model of it, right? A small, medium, large, like everyone's been to a restaurant where things are already divided up in that way uh, to see, the, to, to order stuff, right? Um, but, I've also been to pizza restaurants where all the pizzas are pre-named. They all have names, right? So it's not so clear that there is a system to them. And often there isn't because there's like little little contextual things you need to know uh, about each one. Like sometimes they'll just give the name and then some of the like a little description but it doesn't tell you that there's no cheese on this pizza like on the marinara there's no cheese they don't tell you that they the they just say oh it's got you know basil and and tomato sauce and you're you know there's nothing in there that says no cheese um so it's maybe it's not so obvious when you're starting a new pizza restaurant that there is a system like you don't and maybe you don't want a system and you do want 10 named pizzas just like 10 numbered pizzas like we talked about before maybe with 10 it's not so awkward so it's fine but we have this system where we have 1500 it's already pre-done where you could choose three sizes different kinds of sauces whether you want cheese or not, and four different toppings that you can put on them. It's got a ton of different states it can be in. And so someone had to do that. Someone had to conceptualize what are the things that distinguish one pizza from another and what is their structure, right? They had to think, well, you can't have a pizza that's both small and large, right? You can't have tomato sauce. That, that one's kind of obvious, right? A, a baby would know that. But what about you can't have tomato sauce and pesto sauce, right? There's, it, it's, that's not so obvious, but someone made that rule. Someone put that structure into the menu, into the conceptual model, and that had to be uh, that had to be decided somewhere. 
And so what is the process of deciding this conceptual model? Of figuring it out? What's the process of, of finding that wouldn't it be nice if we could make an image that's two images next to each other? Wouldn't it be nice if we could make an image that was the flipped version of another image? Because look how much M.C. Escher flipped. This is the kind of thing that just kind of, it seems the most magical. And I am, I've, I'm trying my best to come up with ways of, of doing this. One skill I think that's useful that we don't do enough is to try out different models. Right? Don't stop at one. Don't. Uh, so stop at one. Yes, that's a big problem. But often people uh, will even just start with something that's way too obvious or way too done before or or let's even say way too general because they're afraid they'll get stuck so one example would be well let's not let's not uh be too specific yet when we're first starting let's just make an image be an array of pixels and then we'll just write into that array the stuff we need. An array of pixels is perfectly general, right? And we'll make it mutable so that we can we can write on it in any way. And so they've baked in this um, model that does not give you any leverage because they're afraid to be wrong. They're afraid to... They're afraid to... to paint themselves into a corner. But really, you have to make decisions when you're domain modeling. You have to. You have to say, yes, technically, physically, we can put a spoon of tomato sauce and a spoon of pesto and spread it out. Yes, we can do that, but we're not going to. Yes, we can flip images and draw them, you know, basically draw them backwards when we're drawing an image onto a 2D array of pixel, but we're not going to do that. We're going to represent the picture at a higher level, not as pixels on a grid, but as some transformation of another picture. Uh, and you have to make that decision. And at some point, you might regret it, <laughs> right? But that is how, you know, that's, I don't know. I don't know what to say. You got to take the risk because the, uh, there's the other risk, which is that your code will be so um, hard to write because you haven't built in the leverage that you're going you're gonna to regret not having built in the leverage from the beginning. Okay, the the other one that I want to bring up is the idea of a metaphor. Uh, I've given a talk about this, about building, I call it building composable abstractions. 
I gave the talk at the uh, Closure Conj in Austin. When was that? 2016? And the idea was that there's, there's this magic that happens when you choose a metaphor that you are able to talk about it instantly. It's like you have a first implementation of a thing because the metaphor is the implementation. You can kind of run it in your head. You can compare it against what you're seeing and be surprised if the thing you're, you've written doesn't work as you expect it. And you can answer questions about it. And it can be shared with other people because they can build the metaphor as well. So if you build this metaphor of how your system is supposed to work, you're tapping into your physical intuition about things. Now, this won't always work. I think that, that making this metaphor leap often happens and often it doesn't. Like It doesn't work for two reasons. One, uh, people aren't that good at it. So it's like, okay, now it's another skill to teach. And two, it's not something that you can guarantee that the metaphor will be right, right? It's, it's ma mainly as a way of generating ideas for structures of your model. And one more thing that I kind of hinted at, but I want to make it more explicit is I believe that getting good at encoding so that you can go directly to your programming language faster will help you have a richer feedback loop, a faster, richer feedback loop that can help you do the hard work of coming up with a conceptual model, of analyzing that conceptual model. So going all the way fully to the, to the data model will help you do that. And also the stuff we learn in level two and level three, where we do operation modeling and then algebraic modeling, that too will help yeah, maybe go even faster. It's just harder to do. So you have to, you have to build up those skills first. All right. I'm going to leave it at that. And I've exhausted all my ideas. Uh, if you have a better idea, please let me know because this is, um, this is really hard, hard work. Um, well, my name is Eric Normand. Thank you for listening. And as always, rock on.